0: the benefit of our time together spent in the Word, let's turn back again to the Gospel of St. Matthew and this teaching parable of Jesus that we're focused on. Jesus spoke to them again in parables, saying, The kingdom of heaven is like a king who prepared a wedding banquet for his son. He sent his servants to those who had been invited to the banquet to tell them to come, but they refused to come. Then he sent some more servants and said, Tell those who have been invited that I have prepared my dinner. My oxen and fat and cattle have been butchered, and everything is ready. Come to the wedding banquet. But they paid no attention and went off, one to his field, another to his business. The rest seized his servants, mistreated them, and killed them. The king was enraged. He sent his army and destroyed those murderers and burned their city. Then he said to his servants, The wedding banquet is ready, but those I invited did not deserve to come. So go to the street corners and invite to the banquet anyone you find. So the servants went out into the streets and gathered all the people they could find, the bad as well as the good and the wedding hall was filled with guests. But when the king came in to see the guests, he noticed a man there who was not wearing wedding clothes. He asked, How did you get in here without wedding clothes, friend? The man was speechless. Then the king told the attendants, Tie him hand and foot and throw him outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth, for many are invited, but few are chosen. The gospel of the Lord. My brothers and sisters in the Lord Jesus Christ, have you ever had one of those moments that no matter how hard you tried to keep things simple and without cost or effort, for those you had invited. Everything seemed to work against you in that effort, pulling that off. Maybe it was as simple as the weather forecast. Perhaps it's those you've invited wishing that somehow the event could be on a different day or at a different time place, or maybe, amongst those that you've invited to whom you wish to extend your generosity, there are those who just struggle to receive that kind of kindness and graciousness, and they call you, and they pester you, and they use every opportunity to ask you, are you sure there isn't something I can bring? After all, I think my grandmother's recipe for such and such would be the perfect addition to this occasion. Or at least let me bring some some beverages. Most of the moments we have in life where we want to keep things simple and free of obligation often prove quite difficult, or stressful in pulling off. Now think about the parables of Jesus in the Scriptures. Think about the one in specific that's in the crosshairs today. Isn't it interesting how Jesus demonstrates in his own experience of watching humanity over the course of time and being in the midst of humanity for his lifetime he saw the realities that he revealed in his teaching stories, we call parables in the Bible. Just how well he had experienced all these things himself. He paints it profoundly in these different scenes here in Matthew 22. The king that Jesus chooses to present to us is exceptionally invested in preparing a wedding feast for his son. A wedding fit for a prince, to which average, everyday subjects would also be welcome, with the clothing and the status and the participation at the same level as any dignitaries or royalty also invited, we are not told anywhere here that he was a bad king. In fact, he appears in every way to be kind, generous patient, even, and certainly inclusive, which is a big thing to our world today. And yet, this story goes sideways fast in ways that we would never expect. Not only do people refuse his invitation, but some of them are so annoyed by the invitation and the fact that he sends messengers to reinforce the invitation that it's ready and it's ready now, that they take out their annoyance on the messengers by first persecuting them and then killing them, which enrages the king and he sends his forces to carry out capital punishment as justice for their outrageous actions and reactions. And yet the good king wished to celebrate his son's marriage with others, so he turns to inviting total strangers, anyone from the street corner, and also provide them with everything they need to participate, including the clothing to be worn, which was very much a custom in that day and age. Still, after the reception has begun, the king enters the banquet hall and finds one character, one clearly rebellious character, Standing there, insisting that he has the right to be present on his own terms, having rejected the gracious, cost free supplies of the king and the master of the feast. Unfortunately, he fared no better than all those who went before him whom you would expect he had heard about the outcome of their rebellion and their refusal of the king, their fool rejections of this king's earlier invitations. And his outcome also is simply punishment and pain. Every parable of Jesus throughout the entire New Testament has one key point to get across at the center of each of those lessons we could get hung up on all the details about the king his motives his attitudes and our perspectives on all of this could be formed by the unexpected violence the story includes however jesus wants us focused on the behavior of those human beings who were ungrateful invitees and guests It is about their refusal to simply accept what they are graciously offered by someone who is clearly more significant and more powerful than them, whom they truly could never repay and with whom they had absolutely no business trying to negotiate. You and I are to examine our own behavior toward our Creator, Savior God through this mechanism and we're pushed to be honest about whether we can ever find our way to simple acceptance of what God has made us. And literally who we are by our conception and our birth and our placement in the world in the moment that he chose for us. But also his acceptance, our acceptance rather, of all of his goodness and his blessings in making us who we are and keeping us alive and providing for us on a daily basis, but more importantly, in his gracious and totally committed mercy, giving us everything we need for eternity as well. The eternal banquet of his dear son in this picture is intended to be our understanding of the eternal life that he has given us and simple acceptance is the only avenue that our god will ever provide us in his word to eternal life it is extremely important that we don't allow our minds and our time to go sideways from the central point and get into all the mischief-making of humans in these verses. Staring us in the face this morning is the simple challenge of whether we can see and accept God's free grace, his forgiveness and his love, his death and his resurrection, in our place as our substitute, without reservation or qualification of any kind. Are you and I able to understand that God does not ever, under any circumstances, need or want or expect anything from us? He only gives everything, always, from the moment of our conception on into the eternal life that we will live with him. And all he requires of us, all he desires from us, is simple acceptance of his amazing eternal gifts. So the reason Jesus is so graphic and straightforward with us through a story like this is because he knows all too well the simple reality that every single human being that's ever walked on this earth sooner or later believes he or she has the right to wrangle with God. We always want a bargain. We want him to accept us for who we are, though he made us what he wanted us to be. And all we can ever do on our own, apart from God, and our understanding of God and ourselves in connection to God, is diminish and demean and ultimately destroy what God has made originally. And we want him to accept all of our attempts at helping him and compensating him. In all the many ways we conjure that up, which... If we're going to be honest, so many of those things are unique to each of us because they go on in our heads as we think through our day. And any time that God comes up in the equation, we're wondering, is this something that pleases him? Is this something that makes some difference in my relationship with him? Is he watching? Is he understanding? Is he accounting to me? And so we plead, he will look favorably favorably upon us because we believe, and we believe it with all of our hearts that we're doing the very best that we can do. But all of that, every last element of that, only proves just how broken we actually are and how completely unable we are to fix anything about our relationship with God, or offer him anything of real value. On the other hand, God keeps patiently, generously, unrelentingly offering us his commitment and unconditional love. So committed, Is he to our living with him forever that he was willing to enter into our existence and become one of us, setting aside all the glory, the power, the knowledge, the wisdom, the wealth of heaven itself, emptying himself of all of it, became the humblest of all human beings that has ever lived, never owning more than the clothes on his back, even in his death being placed in a borrowed grave with no possessions to his name, having experienced through that time among us the excruciating inhumanity, much of which was invented for him specifically, so that when we hear of the last hours and days of his life and we watch the persecution... And we wriggle under the realities of that pain and desperation that he experienced in not only the abandonment of his human brothers and sisters, but the abandonment of his father, God himself. And we can't even bend our minds around to begin to understand the suffering and the weight of sin and the reality of that if he did not go through with it, what lack of hope and peace and future we would have, that in every moment of his existence among us, he was all about weaving together the righteousness that we could never create for ourselves. Every rule and law and regulation and covenant of God and man, of parent and teacher, of community everything that pertained to him in his moment on this earth. He kept every last one to its letter and its intent not to earn anything for himself because he had everything, not to prove his perfection, but to extend that perfection through his innocent and willing death as the payment for our sins given to us free and full. There is nothing more for us to do Nothing to add. Certainly, no way we could improve upon that effort. Nothing we can pay for. It is righteousness simply to accept, embrace, rejoice over, and revel in by living our lives reflective of that amazing free gift. In other words, in the language of the Scriptures, wearing that righteousness, wearing that robe of righteousness that Jesus has uniquely woven together for each one of us as we walk through this world and live out our lives in expectation of that moment when we will be made perfect through death and resurrection. But that gets so challenging. That's what Jesus reveals in these verses, that he understands those challenges. The world we live in every day, the devil who wants us to push away or in other ways diminish or even destroy the wonderful gifts of God and our own appetites, our desires. They all team together to work feverishly against our perspective of simple acceptance of the good things of God every moment of every day. And the challenge to simple acceptance of God's gifts and God's invitation to be everything for us is unrelenting. All those voices. Try to tell us that such gifts of free and faithful grace actually diminish us. They don't reflect our value as individuals and don't give us any role in this progression toward eternal life. Scriptural truth would remind you that any role you might assume would only prove and bring to the moment your brokenness and your sin Taint all of it. But that doesn't seem to matter much to human reason in any given moment, does it? Our pride, our desires will always enter the arena to try to win the day. But our Savior God knows we need perfection. To stand in his presence whether that is in this moment in worship or whether it is in the moment of our judgment or if it's in the moment of resurrection and purifying ourselves is something we will never never be able to do so God must simply provide that perfection that righteousness That we must have to live with him and he does the wedding banquet of his son will come the moment he rends the heavens wide and ends this tormented reality that you and I are living every day and in that moment he tells us he will raise every single human being that has ever lived and has ever died and he will sort out all humans of history for their eternal destiny, and the point of determination will be extremely simple. Who believed God and trusted his plan and his promises, and that received his righteousness given as a gift with simple acceptance. And that might seem way too simple for us. In fact, this revelation of central truth to this parable makes this parable possibly just too simple and too clear. But that is exactly Jesus' point. He's telling you and me, keep it simple, Christian. Celebrate God's gifts. Revel that his invitation to his eternal banquet has included you and live a life of simple acceptance of the gift, the God-given truth that he has paid for in full every last thing that you need Truly need every moment of this life and forever. Amen. Please stand. Now we'll grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To him be the glory, both now and forever. Amen.